welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the UConn Hockey Podcast. Uh, my name is Matthew, and I am your host today. And joined with me today is my good pal, Kevin. Uh, Kevin, how's everything going? Going well, man. Holidays around the corner. Uh, you know, got, I know you're on break, and, you know, and I got mine coming up, so it's it's great time of year. Uh, Ice Bus definitely needs a little ref- hit the refresh button, so, you know, hopefully this helps. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad to be talking uh, talking to Puck with you, so thanks for having me back. Well, let's talk about that first half, and obviously it was very disappointing. UConn finishing with the 7-9-1 record. Um, I guess I'll, I'll have you start up, Kevin. What was just your overall thoughts on this first half of the season? Uh, pretty disappointing and underwhelming overall, especially since UConn is currently just checking the standings right now, 7th in Hockey East, and I think they're like 34th in Parawise last time I checked. Uh, let me just, yeah, they're 34th in Parawise right now. So if you would have told us this is where UConn would be at the beginning of the season, I think we'd be really disappointed in that and angry about it. And I think that's where most fans stand uh, up to this point. Uh, so I'll let you have the floor and uh, talk about what your thoughts have been so far from the season. Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, disappointing is is kind of a gross understatement, right? I, I think it's weird because, like, in terms of, like, preseason expectations, if you had flipped, like, last year with this year, I think, like, I would have been a little more understanding last year if the team kind of got off to this start. Um, you know, vice versa in last year's start was kind of how I expected the team to get off this year. So, you know, in turn, when, if you really take a deep breath, which, you know me, you know, like I've tried to do like, cause it's I been get a couple of weeks since their last game. So hopefully you've taken some breath since then. <laughs> yeah. And like, in, in you, you look at this, like take a few steps back. Like it's not awful until you really factor in what our preseason expectations were for this team. It was the amount of re- returning talent that we had in in terms of just production coming back. I mean, everyone except for, you know, like Torberg was really like the huge one. I know you had Canal on the back line, you know, and then, you know, obviously lost Turnus, but I mean, it was a 1A, 1B type thing all year. And Pearson as well. I think people underestimate his loss as well. But like, it wasn't like, in the era of transfer portal and like, you know, in in what some teams lost, it, it was not, insurmountable you know and given the like i said the production that we had coming back the season we were coming off of um you know which and again it came to kind of a you know a shitty end with the lowell game but overall it was a great season you know like you know we were ranked and and you know it was you know we lost ct ice to the eventual national champion you know uh, we were still top five in hockey's for like was it like four out of last six years type thing you know it, it was a good season and like you had so much momentum and in so many expectations. But I remember at the beginning of this season, we did several of these podcasts, we did spaces and I said, you know, hockey is a stack, which that has lived up to the hype. Um, and, you know, maybe winning hockey East is, you know, it, it, you know, it, 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 it's a possibility, but it was, you know, it was always going to be an uphill climb given, you know, what everyone else, you know, had coming in. But I said, this team's got to make the tournament. It's it's that last step that this team just has not been able to get over. 
And, 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 and part of the reason why I get so fired up, you know, and like I said, that's why I love having, you know, this opportunity to just like, you know, talk because it's too much to like tweet out or get into mm-hmm. a mess, you know, it, like I think what eats at me, and I know I've said this before, was Merrimack making it last year, you know, you you have all these programs, like when UConn first joined hockey's a decade ago, like, you know, we were our first like five, six, seven years in the conference. We were light years ahead of Merrimack. We were light years ahead of Maine. Granted, Maine and you know has this storied history tradition. Same with UNH. You know, we're like, ahead of UMass I, a little bit too. That's what I was just <laughs> going to say. UMass, UMass, Maine, UNH, Merrimack, all of these schools. At least the I would say first five to seven years, UConn was night and day better then. And we never made the NCAA tournament. We never capitalized on it. And, like, then you had, you know, Kale McCarr came back for that sophomore season at UMass. And then the Minutemen, that's history. They've just completely left us in the rearview mirror. You have, you know, Merrimack, who last year, again, and I know they made the NCAA tournament before we were in Hockey East. You know, I get it. We're late. I'm just talking about our Hockey East era. Like, we were better than them, like, six, seven, eight years in a row. And then all of a sudden they hire Scott Boric and they lap us. They're in the NCAA tournament. And, hey, they lost in the first round. They also lost to the national champions. If they had gotten a better draw, Merrimack could have probably made a run last year. I mean, playing Quinnipiac in round one was a tough draw. And I think it was in Bridgeport. And, like, and so it was just, you know, and then you look at Maine and New Hampshire this year. Like, Two programs, and I, I know you were high on, I, I think it was Maine, you know, coming into this year, you, you know, like, th- that was like your sleeper team. It was a great call because they're not even a sleeper anymore, <laughs> like a title <laughs> contender. And it's like, you know, and like they were supposed to be on the up up and up with, you know, with Ben Barr and everything. Thought that was a great hire from UMass's staff, whatnot. You know, UNH was supposed to have a down year. I thought everything. they were going to be the second worst team in hockey East this year, and they've completely Everyone surprised did. me. It, it wasn't <laughs> just you. It was everyone, like, you know, and, and like they're another one. Both teams look poised to make the NCAA tournament, which I don't think neither has done. Since it's been since first year it's been hockey. ten. It's been like almost ten years. I would that's imagine. what I was gonna say. It's yeah. either like our our like last year in Atlantic hockey or like first year in hockey since I think UNH has made. It. I think Maine's been longer than that. Maine's been in the doldrums for quite a while, and like so, it's another two programs that are leaving us in the rearview mirror, and we never. We never hung a banner. We never won a regular season championship. We never won a hockey's tournament championship. And we still haven't made the NCAA tournament. And, like, I get it. We started this program from scratch and stuff. But, my, like, you know, coming up from Atlantic Hockey, wording scholarships, you know what I mean. But, like, it's just to see these programs that UConn has been better than year in and year out continue to just lap us is just such a kick in the sack and and that's that's what kills me man it, it you know like if it was just bu and bc dominating this year and we get off to the slow start it's like yeah whatever you know it's like it is uh, same old same old but it's these teams that we've dominated for like so long and now they're like all right we're gonna make the NCAA tournament again we'll see you later good luck nice story yukon and it's just like it, like i said it's the program's lapping us that kills me inside yeah and we'll talk about the second half of the season expectations and what we can expect but for me at least i guess what the disappointing part is 
I wasn't expecting UConn to be the best team in hockey East this year. I was just expecting them to be competitive in the conference and to be one of those bubble teams for the tournament. And they're not even close to that. And what's frustrating to me is when you look at the advanced analytics, uh, they have really good advanced analytics. I was just reading uh, Daniel Connolly's article that he released a few days ago. They've They've taken the seventh most shots in the country and the most among teams in Hockey East. They've put 108 more pucks on net than their opponents, and their Corsi rating is tied for fifth in the nation at 55.5%. But what's frustrating is they're just not translating that uh, to wins and to goals. And the thing that has been frustrating me the most this year has just been the offensive play. I just think it's been really stale. I think the power play has sucked this year. And I know UConn power plays have been disappointing most years, but this year it seems to be at a whole new level of bad. And they're just, their offense is losing them games. And that was one of my strengths of the team was how they had a lot of depth in their forward group and how they had a lot of players with experience that could challenge a team like BU and BC who lost some experience compared to last season. So that's what's been frustrating with me is they're just not getting the job done offensively and it's killing them. And they're losing to just bad teams that they shouldn't lose to Union, Holy Cross, Vermont, Lowell. It's just like we can't be losing to these teams and expect to be making a national tournament in the second half of the season. And that's what's been frustrating for me. And you can tell me all about Cav can go up after every game like, oh, we tried really hard. We got more chances than we got more shots than them. At the end of the day, if you're, it's a result-oriented business, and if you're not winning these games, then it's really hard for me to listen to those post-game press conferences and take you seriously uh, with that. So that's what's been frustrating for me as a fan, just watching the team this year. And I know you echo some of the same sentiments with that. Yeah, I, I say it. I say I've said it for years now. Like we are so spoiled with like with Hurley and Gino as our basketball coaches, and then even going back to Calhoun because every one of them tells it like it is you know if a player has a shitty game they call them out on it you know they don't mince words they they just talk like a normal human being like it, it you know our, our our basketball team just won the national championship last year and dan hurley if they have a bad game we'll be like we played like crap like that that was awful i don't know what that was it's not that's not uconn basketball like he will call uconn can have in a you know like a weekend at holy cross in 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 and I swear, I swear my patience for Cav would be a thousand times longer if, like, after a weekend at Holy Cross, he's like, you know what? We fucking sucked. I don't know what the hell that shit show was, but we're going to fix it. Like, just, just, but in, he doesn't. Like you said, he makes excuses. He's like, well, he I didn't like do it for the Merrimack game. I will, I will want to give him that because he did say that was an embarrassing performance and he said he apologized to the fans that showed up for that game. I'm assuming, I don't know if you saw those comments or not, I but. Did. You yeah. know what? If he had apologized for the five performances before that, where they also yeah, didn't yeah. go up, I'd be all ears. But it's like, like that's what I mean. It's like, I, you know, I like the way we played. You know, the pucks just didn't go in. Sometimes <laughs> they should call this game goalie. We've heard it all before, Mike. Like your team sucks right now, and like you know, like this team. I, I, you know, I don't know what's going on, but we got to address it in practice. This would power play was embarrassing. Like you know, these shots on goal. Yeah, we're getting forty of them a night, but how? Yeah, you know, 30, 38 of them are, aren't exactly quality chances. Like we, you know, like just just call it like it is, man. Like don't like it, to me as a fan, I find it insulting. I know hockey, Mike. I get it. I'm not a Division One coach, but I fucking know hockey. Don't try and blow sunshine and rainbows up my ass because I know hockey, and I'm not going to be insulted as a fan. Don't don't talk to me like I don't know the sport. I know what I'm seeing. 
And like, uh, like just, it, it, it infuriates me and, you know, but I'm over it. I'm over it. Cause I'm not a fan of mediocrity. So I right, let's talk a little about not just the offense and the forward group. That's sort of my main takeaway from the season. Cause I feel like they've had the biggest impact on the wins and losses. And I don't know about you, Kevin, but I just feel like the offense have been stale. I know I sort of mentioned this, but oh, I know Daniel mentioned about the statistics of how many shots they've been getting on net. How many shots do you feel like are just like shooting from not from getting into the paint or the greasy areas to get those dirty goals, but just a lot of shots from the outside, from the hash marks and all that, and really just shooting on the goalie and not really getting sustained offensive zone time, not getting secondhand chances from rebounds. It just seems like a lot of the offense has been sort of stale and it's just like they're not creating good grade A opportunities. It just seems to be a lot of just volume instead of that, if that makes sense. At least that's what I feel like I've been seeing a lot. And I know I'm not a division one coach, but maybe you see the same thing I am. Yeah, so I, I I agree and disagree. I, I disagree that the offense is the biggest reason for our wins and losses, but I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, I do agree that it, this team, shot-wise, it's 100% quantity over quality. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, I get that they're putting 40-something you know, shots on goal a night or whatever. Like That's great. Like I said, 38 of them are just like something you'd see at a men's league and at the Bolton Ice Palace at 10 p.m. on a Tuesday night. I like I just, you know, they're they're not high quality shots. Like you said, they're not always getting to those gritty areas in the front of the net where you got to score like, you know, the Capones and the Bradleys of the world. They love throwing that weight, but I'd, I'd rather they throw it in front of the net, screening a goalie and bodying a defenseman, you know, putting in a rebound or two as opposed to like open ice or neutral zone or something like that, you know, like. Yeah, the, the shot quality is just atrocious. Um, you know, it, like, it, and I get that's part of it. Um, and that's that's what I mean. Like, Kevin, always, he always says, oh, you know, we got so many shots, so many. And I'm just not seeing the quality chances. Like, you know, like, yeah, there have been a, a goalie, you know, will make a, a nice save here and there. But, I mean, God, they made that kid from Holy Cross, you know, look like, you know, freaking you know martin broder and it was the like, only it, game i thought that they should have won that they didn't at least from a shot perspective was the lull game like that kid had the game of his life uh the the one in hartford where they got like 46 shots on net and lost one to nothing that was one of the ones where like all right like they that was just a tough uh tough loss right there yeah and, and, and you know sometimes when you're snake bitten with goals like you know you grip that stick a little tighter and mm -hmm. you know you lose that confidence as a score and you know maybe that kind of creeps in with the results that they've had so you know like I, I i agree wholeheartedly about you know quantity versus quality but um yeah it's a, like i said you know i'll get i'll get to the second half of that but I, yeah I, I i agree that's that's a huge issue with the offense now what's your thoughts on just how players have performed this year I don't want to like, I just feel like certain players have kind of taken a, st taken a step back since uh, last year, specifically Samo Salmanen, who only has seven points this year. I feel like he's really struggled so far in the first half. I know Wood leads the team with 12 points, but I feel like he hasn't been as impactful consistently as he was during his freshman year. And I just feel like there's a lot of guys that haven't taken that jump, I guess, that we thought they were going to this year. But I will say someone that has been impressing me has been Jake Richard, the freshman. I think he's been really good this year for that forward group. And I think Bradley has had a sneaky, pretty good season as well. Um, but you can just give me your thoughts on that because I just feel like some guys, um, it's just, I'm not, I, I, who knows what's going on? You never know. But I just feel like 
you're not seeing what you thought you were going to see from them this year, I guess is the best way I can articulate that. Yeah, no, I, I would say in terms of the forward group, I think Jake Richard has been like the MVP of the team. I know Wood, like you said, kind of leads the team in points and whatnot, but given his expectations and his draft status and, you know, all these, you know, these different things, it's, you know, making team Canada, which I know we're going to get to later and all that. It's like, he's underperformed. Like in, 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 and I get it. Like, this shouldn't just be all on Matthew Woods' shoulders because he was drafted 15th overall. But, like, at the same time, when you're drafted that high, I'd, like, occasionally, you, you know, just, like, you know, just take over a game and, and create a goal out of nothing. That's what Tage used to do, you know. And if you got, he's got the talent to do it. I haven't seen that this year. I, I have not seen the progression that I thought we would see out of Wood this year. Um, I think that's a, a major reason for this team kind of being where they are. Um, I love Jake Richard. He, that kid is going to be a stud. Um, you know, I, 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 like I said, I think in terms of consistently just bringing it, uh, creativity going to like the, you know, the dirty areas and stuff like, you know, he, the talent is there, the work ethic. I, he's, he's the real deal. I love Jake Richard. Count me as a huge fan. Number um, one in the Jake Richard fan club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. It, it, truly one of the few bright spots in the team so far. I this thought year. the, I, I will say another thing I want to add is that third line with Frazier Muldowney has also been impressive as well. I really like them a lot. And Frazier has been one of the players that has made the huge jump uh, from his freshman year to now. I think the third and fourth line have done exactly what was expected of them. Yeah. I think the fourth line has been good too. Honestly, they brought good en- energy, you know, uh, especially even- with Baloo being out as well. Like that's, but that's kind of been an under like stated loss that the team has had and guys like Jake black and uh, who's the other guy, the, um, Owen Oliver Flynn, excuse me. Both oh, of those yeah, guys yeah. have done a good job stepping in and filling in that, that role for Baloo. Yeah, I, like I said, third and fourth line, I, I'm happy as a clam with. I think those kids work their asses off. I think um, they've done everything that's expected of them in terms of killing penalties and just hustling and hitting. Thrill, thrilled to death. It's the top six that is massively underperformed. Um, and it's mostly the returners. Like I said, Wood, I, I let me ask you a question. Like, uh, Can you definitively look at Matthew Wood this year and say that he has significantly improved from his freshman year. Uh, no, I can't say that because I look at the BC series, for example, and you can tell that they were on him. Like, they, you know, Greg Brown's plan was like, if you take out Wood, let the rest of them try to beat us. And that's how we're going to try to win the series. And that's exactly what they did. And I know he yep. got a couple, I think he got an assist in the first game, but I just feel like there's a lot of times like, man, I really didn't notice Matthew Wood out there. And then you check the stats. It's like, oh, he got like these two secondary assists. Like, that's where he's getting a lot of his points from. But I look at, like, someone like Bradley Nadeau from Maine, who was also a first-round pick uh, last summer, and it seems like you could see the impact that he's having for that team. And then you look at the BC series with a guy like Will Smith. I know he was a much higher pick uh, than Wood was, but you see the impact he's having for his team as a freshman. And then you look at sophomores that were drafted in the first round, like Cutter Gauthier, and the impact that he's having for his team. You just feel like those players are having a much larger impact for their respective collegiate teams than Wood has been having. And I I just would wish Wood would have sort of a Tage-like game. I don't want to compare him to Tage because I just feel like that's unfair, especially for an 18-year-old kid. But like, I it's cool that he gets a nice goal against Dartmouth. 
why can't he do it against Boston College? Because that's what when it matters, that's when you have to do it. And I just we haven't seen that from him, unfortunately, this year. I think he's a heck of a talented player. And I think when he puts it all together, he's gonna figure it out. And I'm hoping that this Pro Juniors maybe give it may give him some confidence so when he gets back, he will have a good second half of the season. Cause he was very good his freshman year. And I do think he has the ability to make that jump in his sophomore year. Yeah. But um Totally agree on all fronts. It, it, but like I said, the point is he has not developed. He has not gotten <laughs> better since his freshman year, and that's a problem. And like you said, teams are queuing in on him more, but that means the ice should open up for more for other players, and they haven't taken advantage of Um, You know, and like, like I said, so it's my biggest thing, again, it's this lack of player development, right? Like Bradley, like you said, uh, you know. I think, I think he's been he's sneaky been good this good. year. So. Chance. I think he's been good. I think he's been good, like. You know, like again, he's. I think he takes more penalties this year, though. Like, like I'd be interested to see what the what the Pims look like on this team because I feel like he's given Capone a run for his money this year. And sometimes they're good penalties. Sometimes they're just being physical, which I don't hate. He's second but on the team with uh, penalty minutes. Why know who's in first? Capone. Nope. Who? Tristan Frazier is first in the team, leads the team in penalty minutes oh, at 23. Yeah, it's probably because that kneeing penalty he took a few weeks ago, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what I mean. Bradley, he's been good, but he's taken more penalties than he has in years past. And even there was one game, oh, what was it? Was at Toscana when like when Shandor took a really like undisciplined, like almost cheap shot afterwards? Uh, was it the Merrimack hit. game? Because that one was that's that's the one they went out of control a little bit. Yes, yeah. yes, it was the one they lost control of. And even Shandor, who surprised, who was usually probably the most coolest cucumber on the team, like took a really stupid like retaliation yeah, yeah. penalty. Yeah. So like it, the penalties in general, that's another thing. Like uh, like we, we gotta lead hockey's and penalties or something like we gotta be close. Yeah, and, like, that's been year, a problem. In years past, I mean, let's be honest. If you're a UConn hockey fan, hockey, penalties always been a problem for our team. But like in years past, like. I feel like I've had more issues with the officiating. I haven't had as many this year. I think we're just taking stupid penalties, mm-hmm. you know, like they're just not skating enough. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's my recap of the offense. I, you know, I don't have much more to say. They, they've been disappointing, but you know, I, I, you know, I, I truly think it's, it's the defense is, is the reason for the wins and losses. So now let's look at the defense. And I know Kevin, this is a position group that you want to talk about, but I'll give you my thoughts on them first. I, I think they've been okay. In my opinion, I love how Andrew Lucas has played this year. I feel like I feel like the second half of the season he took he took a kind of a step back, and I feel like that sort of affected the team a little bit. But this year he's been arguably one of UConn's best players. I think he's been good on the power play, setting up chances. I really liked it. I've really liked his game a lot, and I've really liked uh, Thomas Sunio's game a lot as well. I feel like he's uh, improved significantly. The same with Harrison Reese. I know Harrison Reese is a guy that you don't see too much, like you don't notice him, but I think that's a good thing. Um, I feel like the defense has been, you know, fine. I think their turnovers in their own end has been the one thing that's been killing them this year, and it's led to some goals uh, from the other team. So that's something that they need to clean up. But I feel like it's more the offense not getting that production that leads to those turnovers being more like noticeable. I guess is is the best way I can describe it. Um, but I've been fine with the defense, and I think Owen Simpson and Jack Pascucci have done a good job filling in for that, you know, final D spot, uh, third pairing D spot as well. So. I've been fine with the defense, but Kevin, I'll give you the floor and you can explain uh, why you think uh, they're, they've been a big issue with the team, I guess. Yeah. I, so I was talking, I ran into uh, assistant coach Mike Pereira actually at the Wolfpack uh, like a, a week or two ago. 
Um, and there was actually a few guys from the team there, um, and they were kind of separate. So I was just talking to Pereira. Um, and, and I was just saying, like, I get it. It's easy, you know, I, I feel like on surface level, it's very easy to look at this team and say, like, well, yeah, they're not scoring goals. Duh, that's, like, on the offense. And, and we already talked about it. They're not getting quality, you know, shots. It's quantity over quality. I think, I think this team is truly struggling because the defense, because of the defense, they lack a like, you know, Lucas, like you said, he's been better. You know, I, I think, you know, he got off to a good start last year too. Let's see what he does in the second half. So we'll see where that goes. But like, um, I just think they're just as a whole, not any particular player. I think. They're just slow as 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 molasses. The turnovers you mentioned in our own zone have been utterly egregious. Like they're just like how teams don't score a goal on every single one of them. We should build a statue to like Ethan Hader, you know, at, at Toscano. Like the the turnovers on our own our own end are just utter. They're just so unacceptable. Like it's Division One hockey. Like you know. I, I I just you know they they make me sick to my stomach. Honest to God, every single game I go to or watch on TV, I just chuckle. I laugh. I I audibly laugh out loud when I see these turnovers. The deco in in to me the reason it 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 explains our our lack of offense production. They can't break the puck clean out of the zone. And if you look at at, at the great teams in college hockey, right, or just in hockey in general in 2023, like you need those dynamic offensive defensemen to get the puck out of your zone, skate it out, that first clean breakout pass, and they can't do it. They they cannot do it. And like your offense starts with your defense. If you can't make a clean transition, a clean breakout of the zone, you know, like your your offense is just playing you're you're not doing them any favors you know like like that's what i mean you look at the great teams look at hockey east right now you like bu has lane hudson lane hudson's a magician you know you you look at umass with with moro and Ufko, like like these teams are good because their defensemen can make these gorgeous first passes and clean breaks out of the zone and skate you know they don't have to get rid of the puck they're comfortable handling it it's not like hot potato where it's on their stick and they got to get it off like like that's what creates offense it starts in your own zone if you can't get those clean breakouts like i said you're really putting a lot on your forwards to get that puck in the zone to chip it deep and then they got to grind and then they're gassed by the time they actually have a decent chance like you know like it, to me, there is no doubt in my mind, and I like I said, I said this to Pereira, you know, not, not this long winded, but like you know, I, I was. It, it starts with our D. Like I know people get on the offense, and he, you know, and he kind of shook his head, like uh, you know, was, you know, and it like that. That to me is like is one thousand percent our biggest issue. I think goaltending, which I know we're gonna get to, is has been has been great with Hyder. Our defense cannot break it out clean. Like you said, the the turnovers, they're just you, 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 all you could do is laugh. And, 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 and that there's no, there, it's not like solving Rubik's cube. Like that's our issue. So let's talk about the goaltending. Cause I think this is going to be an interesting story to follow in the second half of the season. So obviously uh, Cav uh, platooned Sergeyev and Hyder to start off the season. But then after Sergeyev struggled against Vermont and Merrimack in the beginning of November, Cav has stuck with Hayter throughout the rest of the first half of the season. And I believe he's probably going to be doing that throughout most of the second half as well. Um, my just thoughts on it were one, I'm glad Cav chose a guy when 
I, I'm glad Cav chose a guy when he did. I know you've been giving him a lot of crap in this podcast, but one thing you do have to give him credit for is with him. He's like, I'm not going to worry about the transfer portal, portal next offseason, whether or not Sergey wants to leave or not. I'm going to pick the best goalie that's going to help our team win. And that's what he did by picking Hayter um, going forward when the BC series began. And I think Hayter has been really good for them. It was nice to see him finally get a second shutout of the year against uh UMass Lowell. I think if you look at the beginning games, he was probably the best player in the month of October. He was probably the best player in a lot of those UConn wins that they got early in the season. He was a big reason why they beat Union on that second game. I thought he was really good in that Colgate game and was a big reason why the game got to go to overtime and UConn got that pairwise percentage point, whatever it's called. Um, I've really been impressed with his play. I think some people in UConn have made him seem like he's like the next Darian Hansen. I don't think he's that but I think he's been solid in net and has given the team a chance to win. And I feel like the team also plays better uh, with him in net. Um, and with Sergeyev, listen, he has all the attributes to be a really good goalie. Um, and I think last year, one of the reasons why I didn't like the platoon so much is when we saw that Sergeyev was probably the better option, Cavs still went to the platoon, which I thought was the wrong decision. And it's just, I, I, I'm just, I, I was really surprised to see how much he struggled against Vermont and Merrimack and, how he's given up some back-breaking goals in some of these games as well, and how he was really fighting the puck as well. And I just think it was, it's just, it's just sad to see because I really, I really thought he was going to be the goalie of the future, and he's just right as the things stand right now. Who knows if he's even going to be on the team next season? Yeah, I, yeah. So uh, I agree. I and 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 when I say great, I'm not throwing him in that category. I guess great was I guess was strong. Um, you know, but. To be fair, I mean, the teams, I think, in front of, like, you know, some of the previous goalies we've had been much better in this one. Um, but I do think he's been very good. Um, and I agree with you. I will give credit where it's due. You know, it is kind of ridden hate hider. So I, I agree. At this point, especially if, if you know, this kind of continues, there is no chance Sergeyev is back here next year. Um you know, uh, Calgary's not going to want that for his development. They, you know, even if he would consider staying, they'd pull him and put him in juniors, you know, like they did Kuznetsov. He, he ain't going to be a UConn Husky next year. There, I'd say there's no I chance. will say, if UConn continues to struggle, do you think Cav starts him a little bit next year so he can try to keep him on the team? Because Hyder is a grad student, and Pasquale is going to graduate after the season. And I feel like it's really hard to go into next season – not knowing who your starting goalie is going to be. I know they just got a guy named Callum Tongue from the BCHL, but and maybe there's a guy in the portal they can get, but at some point next year is really the last year with the fifth years in the portal because I'm, lot, I'm assuming once this COVID year goes away, a lot of the goalies that are going to be in the portal are backups that want to get more playing time. So it's not like you can rely on a grad student to go in there to fill in that starting role. So I'm curious, I would be interested to see if UConn continues to struggle um, winning games, if he might throw in Sergeyev just so he can try to keep him uh, to stay the next season. That's something to look out for in the second half. I hope it doesn't come to that point where they have to think about doing that, but it's something to think about. Yeah, I, I don't think he would. He's just going to roll with the guy who, and rightly so, who he thinks, you know, is going to give him the best chance to win. I, Cap has always done that, you know, to his credit. I, I think you know, I, I think he's been a little indecisive at times. I, I, I can't see that. If if Hyder is playing well, I don't think he's going to throw Sergeev in there. And I, and you know, barring injury, I, I don't see, I, I don't see Sergeev really making a comeback here. Or if Hyder starts to struggle, um, if he keeps playing like he has, I, I think he rolls with Hyder. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, goaltending is the least of my concern on this team. It, it always has been, you know, with Ice Bus. And, um, We've been lucky. We've had some good goalies. We have. We really have. And uh, no, Hyder's Heid, been good. You know, like I said, least of my concerns by a mile. I, I still think he rolls with him. Uh, barring a dip in play. Well, let's talk about the second half of the season expectations. One positive thing for this team is if you look at their hockey schedule, it's really, really, it's a gauntlet. I think their next like 12. <laughs> I, I, think, there was, I know, I know. Um, I think their next 12 hockey games are all against ranked teams in the top 15. And then obviously they have a chance to play Quinnipiac as well. So they're going to be getting some good games down the stretch, which I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, that, I, expect- got to, I got to pause because I know you're not a nutmegger. It's Quinnipiac, not Quinnipiac. <laughs> Sorry about that. Right. <laughs> um, but I will say uh, I'm excited. I think the goal with this team is uh, just tr- try not to get the opening round game. That's all I ask. Just please just get a quarterfinal game, even if it's on the road, and see what happens. You know, it's a single elimination tournament. Just set yourself up as best you can for the hockey's playoffs and see what happens because if you get into the quarterfinals all you got to do is win one game and then you're in the garden and then like Kevin Millar said in the 04 World Series um anything can happen in game 7 or in this case in the hockey semifinals and championships so that's pretty much my expectations i think they have a they can uh, make me feel make me feel a lot better about the team depending on if they get some good results against some of these teams in the second half and they have the opportunity to do that um so I'm I'm looking forward to the second half. I think they're going to play much better. They always do play better in the second half. And just figure figure out a way to get in the top five in Hockey East and see what happens. And I think that's a realistic expectation for the team. I think they're going to be able to do it. But I'm excited. That, I'm excited to play some good teams in the second half. I'm just really excited about that, I think, mostly. They always play better in the second half, except for last year when they needed yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I... I Honestly, I, my theme for the second half is house money. They're, they're not on anyone's radar nationally. They're not even close to the the cutoff in pairwise. Nobody is talking about it. It's house money. You know, like, surprise me. Be competitive. Prove Kevin you wrong. Know. We had this uh, segment uh, exactly, a few yeah, weeks ago. Do- <laughs> yep. And um, uh, like you said, that schedule, yes, it provides opportunity. Because if you win those games, they're going to make jumps in pairwise. I don't see him winning them. Um, in terms of CT Ice, which I know we're going to get to, like, you know, I, I think I think that would be a nice like feather in the cap, you know, type thing, you know, if like to salvage this sort of like lost season if, is if they somehow like you said, because we're automatically making that and anything can happen, you know. So it's like it's one game. If, if you, you know, you, you handle business in the first one and take down Quinnipiac, you know, take down, you know, Quinnipiac, you know, like, hey, you know, it's just it's one game. Anything can happen. Why not? Um that would at least be a very nice like consolation prize for a shitty season. That is truly the only thing I am moderately like looking forward to um, is just if they could win that, because in terms of hockey's, I get it. Anything can happen. I think the rest of the conference is way too stacked. Um, Could they win a game? Sure. They could upset someone. Like you said, it's one game. Anything can happen, but they just, they haven't showed me anything. Um, it play with house money I, I, again, you know, like God bless you, but I just, I'm not expecting too much, you know, CTI is the one caveat I could, I'd love it if they, you know, just pulled that out of nowhere. Yeah. I will say, um, 
I know Vegas uh, in when their inaugural season used different podcast clips of them getting roasted in the Stanley Cup final for their intro video. So if anyone from UConn Athletics is listening to this, you have every right to use Kevin's uh, rant there. Um, if they make it to the hockey's things to to do it for yeah. their motivational video, I think that would be awesome. <laughs> it repeat. Absolutely. So let's talk about two more things before we wrap things up. I guess the one is uh, Matthew Wood was announced uh, to the Canadian uh, junior team for the World Juniors, which is a pretty big uh, accomplishment for the program. He's the first ever Canadian player uh, from UConn to make it to that team. Uh, he's the sixth UConn player ever to be on the World Junior roster. This includes Vlad and Jan, Vlad, Vladislav Firstov and Jan Kuznetsov in 2021, Jakim Kondalik and Adam Kuska a few years ago, and then obviously Tage Thompson in 2017. I'm hoping that this will hopefully give him some confidence heading to the second half of the season. So we'll see what happens, but I'm really happy for him. Well-deserved and uh, should be a lot of fun. And unfortunately though, for Mr. Matthew Wood, I'll be rooting for team USA when he plays, uh, when he plays uh, the U S in that thing. I'm sorry. That'll be the one, one of the few times I'll be cheering for some BU and BC players. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're not going to meet in group play. Uh, no, so no. Happens. Yeah. But they will. I, I think I could see them meeting in the knockout rounds. They usually do. So this is supposed to be a pretty down year for Canada. I, like I said, I, 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 I know the world juniors inside. I, I scout that like, you know, like I, I love it. Like I, I cannot recommend anyone. Well, I like the like, U.S. team. It's always like, a, like you said, it's like the college hockey all-star team pretty, pretty it's much. literally <laughs> a college hockey all-star team versus for Canada outside of Celebrini and Wood, it, which is a junior, like all a Canadian junior, like all-star team. So um, it really is. It re- It's so much fun. The hockey is so fast paced. The kids are so talented. Like they pull off things that most guys wouldn't try in the NHL all the time. Like, it's it's awesome and it's a lot of fun. There's a couple of clunkers in the first round because you'll get some real mismatch. Like I think you US know, just playing um, Norway to start off, which Norway, is gonna be like yeah, 10 Norway. nothing. <laughs> yeah, that'll that'll be a bloodbath. Um, you know, so yeah, but no, congrats to Wood. I'm happy for him. He does deserve it. Um, and like you said, I, I do think if he has a good tournament, I do think he could come to stores with with a lot of momentum and confidence. But he's going to be playing with some absolute studs on Team Canada. And you will see what Matthew Wood can do because his shot is lethal. And he's got a great hockey IQ. But he the reason he can't do it all himself is because his one lacking skill is skating. And it, you can't create on your own if you don't have the skating. Tage had the skating to go with it. That's why he could pull you know nothing out of his ass. And, 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 and Wood can't do that. But he doesn't need to with Team Canada. And you're going to see... You're going to see what his potential really looks like with that team. For sure. And another fun fact, Kevin, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Ashley Allard's brother, who is she's on the UConn women's hockey team, Owen, was also named to the Team Canada World Junior roster. So some another UConn connection on that team. All right, let's do one more thing, which is the CTI start time, because I know you had a lot to say about it. I guess I'll say my thing. I have no problem with the 4 p.m. start time. I get why you think it should be at 7. And from a marketing and audience standpoint, it's obviously better if you can't play the later game. But from a hockey standpoint, you want them to just try to give them as much advantage as you can to beat Sacred Heart to get to that final game because I think that's more important uh, for UConn to get to that final game, market that, and then hype it up because that will be a packed XL center if they do that against Quinnipiac. And you don't want to wait for this first game to finish in case it goes to overtime. And you want to give your team at least a few hours of rest and this is a chance to sort of relax. And maybe the second game goes long and those guys get tired and beat up for the second half. I think you saw that 
with Merrimack and BU in the Hockey East uh, finals last year, and Merrimack had to play double overtime in that second game of the semifinals. So I, I most teams usually pick that first game anyway. So I personally have no problem with it. Um, but I'll let you explain why you're not a fan of that start time for the CT ice because I know you wanted to talk about it. And part of it is what you said. I like, you know, like I don't think they've earned the luxury to like don't don't prep for Quinnipiac, prep for Sacred Heart. Because like I said, there is nothing you've shown me that that's a guaranteed win. In years past, I've looked at that first game like, all right, let's let's get ready for Quinnipiac. Not this year. You, you don't overlook Sacred Heart. And I know Sacred Heart's down this year, but so are we. So you know, like that's number one. Number two is just like I said, I, this isn't the bean pot. Okay, it couldn't be any more different from the Bean Pod. The Bean Pod has 80 years of history. It, it's broadcast on like you know the championships usually on like it's it's nested. It's broadcast over New England. Like Butchie, you know, it talks about ESPN. Like it, it's not the Bean Pod. It's not the Frozen Four. I don't give a shit what other teams you know if they choose in those other things that they want to be first. Like this is CT Ice. CT Ice is what five years old something around there like it might be six but maybe not because that one year because the covid year they didn't do it so it might be five and a half let's say that (laughs) five years okay uh so there's no history there's almost no tradition um we practically had to beg you know yale to even join the join (laughs) the damn thing um you know Every it, and I know you had mentioned this in our in our group text. Almost every year, there's like a blizzard of the century this this weekend. I have I'm no really doubt. hoping it, it will it will happen probably that weekend. Like one thousand sure. percent, just book it <laughs> blizzard that weekend. If you could, if I don't know weather channels on Fanduel, but if you could place a hefty large sum of money, I'd I'd bet my if house. Any, on if it. you have if you have any like weekend plans, maybe do it some other weekend. <laughs> exactly. Um. So, you know, like you factor all in the point, the point I'm trying to make is that like the reason UConn like Quinnipiac did last year when they won the tournament as the home team has to take that late game and is because it's not even as much about winning the game as it is getting this tournament off the ground. There has been absolutely little to like uh, little there's been zero marketing around this 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 tournament if you are not an ice bus season ticket holder and i don't know what it looks like with the other three fan bases i doubt much i have no clue that this this tournament's even happening like it's non-existent advertisement um you know i go to wolfpack games all the time I've never seen a single thing for Connecticut ice come on that jumbotron. There's no commercials. There's nothing on the radio. There's nothing. There is no one is no one puts in any effort to market this thing. It's an absolute joke. And let me be abundantly clear. It's not that it's the early game. It's not that it's four o'clock. It's that it's a four o'clock on a Friday. Years pass, and sometimes I think it's swapped like every other year or something. It's been like Friday, Saturday, sometimes, sometimes it's Saturday, Sunday. I think because like, of the NFL um, playoffs, they changed it to Friday, Saturday, so they don't have to compete. No, no, with I know. That. And that, that's fine. I get it. I'm just saying I, it's been both. It's been a Friday, Saturday, and it's been a Saturday, Sunday. And if this was a Saturday, I don't care that he took the four o'clock game. You want those few extra hours of prep on, you know, uh, you know, for your second round opponent, like God bless you, you know, but like, it's a Friday. It's a Friday in downtown Hartford with rush hour traffic there. Mark my words. If this game is being broadcast, which I couldn't tell you if SNY is doing it this year or not again, like, 
you know, I, you know, if you're watching on television, mark my words at puck drop of UConn's first game in this tournament, UConn Sacred Heart, correct? UConn yeah. Sacred Heart. There is not going to be more than three dozen people in those stands. There, there ain't gonna be more than 40, 50 people in those. It's gonna, it's you're gonna hear a pin drop in that arena. You, the coaches, the players, they're gonna look around. What an absolute joke! You, you like it's embarrassing. Like it is, it is. I'm telling you, it's going to be embarrassing. You're gonna hear crickets. The players aren't gonna be able to get up. There's gonna be no momentum. You know, it's like you know. Whereas if you're in that second game. That first period of the second game is the best atmosphere because you have the fans that are going to be like, eh, I'll stick around for the, they were there for the first game. I'll stick around for the first period, see how it goes. If it's good, I'll stay for a little bit. And then you have the fans that are there for that second game. And it's the only time the third period of the first game and like the first period of the second game that you have like a capacity crowd. Like that's the amount of people you're going to get. And like that's the loudest it's going to be. It's going to be a great atmosphere, that puck drop of that first game. And what are they going to be there to see? The defending national champs, Quinnipiac Bobcats, beat the shit out of Yale. Like, they're not going to see your UConn Huskies because Mike Cavanaugh chose the early game. Like I said, maybe like halfway through the second, you'll get, I don't know, maybe 1,000 or 2,000 people. Like I said, season ticket holders as of right now, only people in the state of Connecticut that know the game exists. Um, it, it's just, it, it's... It's it's a real kick in the sack to fans. He's basically just saying, I'd rather have two extra hours of pair, potentially prepare for Quinnipiac than, you know, give a shit about any season ticket holder, which, you know, like, why would they throw us a bone, right? We, we got to donate, make donations for seats now. We haven't gotten a season ticket holder gift in, in years. We haven't met the team in years. Like, it, and, and it's just, it's utterly infuriating. I we I, I know me, my buddy Mark, who've been season ticket holders, much like you forever, like, you know, I've been waiting so long for this thing to be at Excel Center, and it's finally out of Bridgeport. It's finally out of Hamden. You know, we finally get to host. And I, I said this all summer. If they just put in a little bit of marketing, you know, like this thing, they could sell 10,000 tickets. If, if you require, think about it, if you required when Quinnipiac season ticket holders, Yale, Sacred Heart, and Ice Bus, if you made it part of all four season ticket packages, like tickets to, to Connecticut Ice, and then you marketed it, Put it in the Hartford Current. Put it on NBC, Channel 3, whatever. But, you know, put it, put it, um, you know, on the radio in 97.9, Rob Dibble, who does a great job promoting Ice Bus. He's actually one of the, you know, like, if you ever listen to, like, Hartford's ESPN radio station, 97.9, they actually talk Ice Bus a lot. They got Adam Giardino on there all the time. They get Bob Joyce and props to them. But, like, you know, you just market that just a little bit. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind 10,000 is not out of the question. What they're going to get for that first, like I said, I don't know if Yale fans even exist, much less if they're, if they're going to travel to Hartford for the game. They've been MIA um, since uh, that national championship. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you, you know, uh, Sacred Heart fans, to their credit, they've showed out, but it's always been down in like Bridgeport, Fairfield County area. Are they going to come up to Hartford, especially having a down year like they're having? I don't know. That's TBD. And then Quinnipiac, I'm sure, will travel well, but I don't think they're going to have as many fans as they had in Bridgeport or their home arena. So it's like it's going to be on UConn to produce at least a pretty damn good chunk of the crowd for this event. And I don't know that we're going to we're certainly not going to on Friday afternoon. I in, you know, like I said, if we're in the consolation game on Saturday, forget about it. We'll talk about it. That might be the last CTI ever. They'll, they'll probably just scrap it after that because we just pissed the pot. But like, 
let me tell you, like, like hopefully we'd get a decent crowd for a championship game against Quinnipiac the next day. But like, I don't think that's a guarantee either. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just, um, yeah, I get pretty heated about it. I am pissed. I'll be there. Um, I'll be one of the three dozen people. Um, you know, I'm sure you will too, whatever. But like, it, it just, like I said, it's so unnecessary and it's so much bigger than just winning the game. It's about growing this tournament, which is going to be good for all programs in the state. And like, we need this. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I guess my only thing is like they should just do this thing like after the winter break because then they could do it like on a Saturday, Sunday because people won't have work and they would be able to, you know, not have to worry about the NFL because it'll be a meaningless, a lot of meaningless games in the last week of the regular season. But that's been my one thing is like they shouldn't do it in late January. They should do it like they should. This should be like a holiday tournament. Now, Kevin, uh, it was great talking with you once again. Uh, I hope that you have a great uh, Christmas and for everyone listening I hope you have a great holiday as well um, even though the season hasn't gone the way um, most of us wanted to I still appreciate everyone listening and following the Twitter account and uh, it's fun watching this team e- even if they're good and bad so I just appreciate all the support and uh, hopefully we'll have a little bit more positive podcast um, in the second half of the season but um, I appreciate everyone listening this was a good time and Kevin it was all, it's always fun getting the chance to hear your tangents on stuff it's i feel like people people like hearing it so <laughs> no I, and i appreciate you uh i love talking with you i like you know i consider, consider you a good friend and um you know and it's good event it's cathartic man i mean honestly <laughs> like i think we all need it to a certain extent and you listen to my rant so i appreciate it appreciate appreciate the listeners out there um you know uh and like like i said i you know as much shit as I give this team, this coach, you know, this program, whatever, to be abundantly clear, I know you mentioned like the, you know, the video, but I would love it, Matt. Like I, I would love to be proven wrong. I would love to be called out for being too negative and completely wrong. Come like March, nothing would, I love this team with all my heart. That's why I get so pissed. That's, you know, I I'm a true diehard and it's like, you know, nothing would make me happier than being wrong about this team yeah. in the second half of the season. Absolutely nothing. So please, you know, like, again, I, it's just because I love the team. Um, you know, it's just, we just express it in different ways. And like I said, I would love to be proven wrong. Um, but thanks for having me on. And, and you know, here's to, uh, to you know, to, yeah. to, to house money in the second <laughs> half, baby. Let's go. I guess I'll end off the podcast by saying this to the team. I'm mad at you. That doesn't mean I don't care about you. I feel like that's a good way to end off things. So.